Welcome to the Training Industry Podcast, the most trusted source of information on the business of learning. Hi, and welcome to the Business of Learning, the Training Industry Podcast. I'm Scott Rutherford, Director of Marketing here at Training Industry. And I'm Taryn Aish, Editor at TrainingIndustry.com. This episode of the podcast is especially for International Coaching Week. And with that in mind, Today, we're joined by a panel of guests to talk about coaching. And more specifically, we'll be talking about coaching and technology, including apps and services to support coaching in organizations. And we'll get that conversation started in just a minute after this. As a training professional, your job is to effectively manage the business of learning. You probably listen to this podcast to gain insights on L&D trends being used by some of the most innovative thought leaders in our market. But did you know that Training Industry also provides data-driven analysis and best practices through our premium research reports? Our entire catalog, including reports on topics such as deconstructing 70-2010, women's access to leadership development, learner preferences, and the state of the training market, just to name a few, can be found at trainingindustry.com shop research. New insights create new ways for L&D to do business. Let training industry research reports assist you in taking your learning initiatives to new heights. Go to trainingindustry.com slash shop research to view our entire catalog. So let's meet our panelists. Audrey Mancronin is founder and CEO of Say It Media. I'm glad you could join us, Audrey. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about your company and your technology? Sure. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I am a longtime communications consultant in technology and a woman's advocate, and I'm founder and CEO of Sayant Media. We're the creators of the intelligent learning systems like So Your Personal Speech Coach for consumers and AI and voice-powered Like So Pro for enterprise. Uh, do you want me to talk about a little bit more about why we started or move on to the next person? Um, yeah, could you tell us just a little bit more about the, um, the, the app that you've developed for consumers and then for organizations? Absolutely. It had become obvious that the epidemic of these lax verbal habits were getting in the way of my clients and my colleagues' success. And soft skills, as we know, like communication, are the number one skills gap in the workforce. It's critical for us as professionals to have communication skills because they are pivotal to success. And I decided to do something about it. I uh, launched Like So Your Personal Speech Coach back in March of 2016. We were the first app out there to use voice recognition technology and this idea of being a Fitbit for your speech to help people practice and bring awareness to our speech and help us all be more articulate and confident. Uh, since then, we've uh, gotten so much feedback on from uh, corporate trainers and professors and salespeople and HR directors saying, can you bring this to the enterprise? And we've done that now with Like So Pro, which does use artificial intelligence and voice as well to help us all practice our speech, our, to be more confident speakers for presentations sales calls, and any time you're up in front of people with that terrible anxiety that we all have, and, uh, and be more practiced and compelling in how you present yourself. Great. Well, welcome. Let me uh, continue to move around our panel to make sure we give everyone a chance to be introduced here. So, Nanish uh, Damani is the co-founder and CEO of Ori, and we're also joined by Kate Day, the executive director of 
Strategic Implementation Services at Mandel Communications, and they're an ORI business partner. So I'll introduce you two together. Hello to both of you. Um, can you tell us each about uh, your companies and, and what you do? Maybe we'll start with Danish. Hi, Danish here, CEO and co-founder of ORI. Started off because this was a big pain point for me. I came to the U.S. as an international student from Tanzania and had a very, very big fear of public speaking. I had terrible times doing good at job interviews or classroom presentations or even going to networking events and joined Toastmasters, which was a big gift in my life. Went there religiously and after a few months realized that this is a learnable skill. You can actually get coached on soft skills like public speaking. You're not born a great public speaker. And we took that as inspiration to develop a tool that frankly, anyone or anywhere in the world could use to help them improve their communication skills. And that's why we launched Oriya almost a year ago. And now we have around over 100,000 users around the globe who have downloaded the app and are sending us great feedback. Well, congratulations on the user base. And uh, Kate Day uh, from Mandel, uh, could you introduce yourself and tell us about what you do? Well, sure. Well, we, we partner with Donesh with the Ori app, and Mandel specializes in soft skills development, you know, in terms of business communication skills. And so we saw quite an opportunity in terms of taking our content and our global communications model and using the Ori app as a vehicle to deliver this content in an artificial intelligence environment. It's quite an exciting experience. All right, and we also have Matt McDarby, the Managing Director of Specialized Sales Systems, and Chat Burmeister, the co-founder and CEO of ScaleX, who works with Matt and his company. Nice to speak with both of you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your companies and the work that you do to support coaching? Um, maybe let's start with Matt. Sure, Taryn. Yeah, thanks for having us. And uh, yeah, excited to be part of the conversation. I, uh, I've been in the sales performance business for about nearly 15 years now and uh, worked in the traditional sales training business, ran the enterprise sales team for uh, a company called Huthweight, better known uh, by its methodology, spin selling, Neil Rackham. Those are usually the words that mean, pe mean something to people. And uh, started my current company just about eight years ago. And the first thing that we did was we established a sales management coaching and advisory business. And the reason for that was, I believe fundamentally, if you coach the sales managers in an organization, because they have the pivotal role, that's really the key to getting uh, you know, more effective uh, performance and better results from a sales organization. So we essentially coach the coaches. Over the course of time, though, I've come to partner up with some great people. One of them is Chad and his group at ScaleX. And he'll tell you more about the, uh, the sales technology stack and all the things that's not what I'm so smart about. I'm, I'm really coming at this from a coaching perspective. But we're using technology and supporting Chad and his clients, and we're doing it in really in, in two key areas. First, we're using technology like conversation intelligence uh, platforms, Gong and Chorus and ExecVision and Refract. We're using that technology to diagnose the performance of sales managers and sellers when we're not there. So, you know, there are a lot of times when either due to regional constraints or time, we just can't physically be there live to observe people in action. So the technology makes it possible for us to have a whole different kind of reach and view into what's going on. And then it affords us the chance to deliver coaching both synchronously, which has been the traditional approach, one-to-one -one dedicated coaching, 
but also asynchronously, delivering feedback to people in a way that fits into their schedule. And we're finding that it's having a tremendous impact, not just on our reach, but on the value we can create for our customers. So uh, Chad can tell you a little bit more about the sales technology stack and his areas of focus. So let me, uh, let me give the floor to him. Yeah, thanks for having us today. Uh, Chad Burmester, CEO of ScaleX.ai. And uh, what's, what's interesting is that sellers today, uh, especially SDRs and BDRs, average about 50 sales activities a day. And so everybody asks, what's a sales activity? Well, it's a phone call, an email, or a social media connection. So we've kind of broken it down to those three things. And at 50 per day, you know, especially from an outbound selling motion, salespeople can only book about four to five meetings in a month. The best performers might book 10 meetings in a month. And so what we've done is, is brought together one-click personalization email technology. So instead of it taking 10 to 20 minutes to write a personal email, we've you know, partnered with a company that has a bot that actually writes the email for you, very, very personal to the user or to the end you know, prospect. And so now a BDR can average 100 to 200 personal emails a day. We've also brought in a tool called One-Click Conversations. So instead of dialing through gatekeepers and switchboards, now salespeople can talk to you know, 10, 20, even 50 prospects in a day. And so when you have email automation and you automate some of the LinkedIn social outreach, now the conversation, the sales conversation on the phone becomes more important than ever. And that's why we believe you know, in, in what Matt McDarby and, and the specialized team is doing for our customers because of that shift back to the phone rather than communications through emails, emails become the commodity, the conversation becomes the value. So that's really, uh, so that's very, very interesting. The, 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 I, I wanted to pivot a little bit back to, to coaching and, and, and Chad, while, while we're, I actually had the first question uh, I was going to throw to you, which is sort of from the very, very high level, we're talking about communications and, and coaching. Um, and I wanted to see if we could start setting the stage about, well, what is, what exactly do we define as coaching in the current environment? How is that different, uh, for example, than, than mentoring and, and, and what are the communications that, uh, that support that? Yeah. If I go back, you know, 25 years ago, my first sales training was three weeks in uh, Seattle for Airborne Express. And then I went to FedEx and had another three-week training course. And so the coaching was really done, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one basis. Uh, first, you take a, a class for selling, and then you're out in the field with your manager, and they're doing coaching, you know, on ride-alongs, in-person meetings. Um, in today's world, you know, that sort of went away for the last five to 10 years. I've run 100-person inside sales teams at Riverbed, on 24, WebEx. And, you know, we never had the ability to, I mean, sure, there were some ride-alongs, but what Matt just talked about a minute ago, which is conversation intelligence, now every single sales conversation can be recorded, converted into text, and searchable. So, you know, the coaching now, it's back, right? If I go back 25 years, what's old is new is the, is the statement I would use. However, um, you don't actually have to be there anymore. Um, Matt's team can coach my BDRs who are working all over the country, Nashville, California, and other places, and they don't actually have to be there on the ride along. 
they don't even have to listen to the live conversation, but they can coach to the person by listening to that conversation together and writing comments in, you know, what they heard on that call. Um, and, and I think what you'll find is interesting is AI becomes a big part of the coaching over time. We're just seeing the beginning of that as it relates to conversation intelligence. Yeah, that's really fascinating. It, it, it sort of creates a technology-enabled, like almost omniscient uh, coach. I think uh, uh, Audrey Mancronan at State Media, uh, do you want to uh, weigh in? Sure. I, As Chad said, this idea of email as a commodity, business is no longer just written. And this idea also of conversation intelligence, we're all going live now. We're all doing these webinars and TED Talks, and we all need to be able to be confident and articulate in how we speak. The phone is so important, and you know that millennials, there's been so many stories about how they're so intimidated even by using a telephone. Our heads are down and we're texting instead of talking. We're not taking the opportunity to practice, to be substantive, articulate, powerful communicators. And I think it is a, a really interesting turn, a disruption of what's going on in communications. That's great, thanks Audrey. Um, so what are some of the obstacles to coaching and how can technology help with those obstacles? Uh, let's start with uh, Donish Damani from ORI. Yeah, one thing we really found out during our user testing was people don't like to be told that they need to improve, especially in soft skills. So if a manager figures out that one of their direct reports is using too many ums, for example, in their client presentations, it's actually hard for them to convey that kind of feedback. But when an AI was brought into the play, when an AI or a computer tells, hey, you had five filler words and three of them were um and they had a very high impact on your speech credibility then you feel there this sense that oh it's a machine telling me it might be very objective and i think that plays a big role in how coaching can be enhanced by using technology thanks and uh matt what, what do you think about about this topic yeah i think that it comes down to um two big obstacles in my experience. One is time, and Dinesh was just talking about, you know, how does technology address that? In part, it gives us presence at different times throughout the day, and it makes it more possible for somebody to coach, um, you know, within um, a broader span of time. But I think there's another part of it, which is confidence. And, you know, a lot of the people today, sales managers obviously being my primary focus, they, you know, they simply don't have a lot of confidence in their ability to coach that's for two reasons. One is I think they, they probably are overcomplicating it <laughs> in their mind it's, uh, that there is a pretty simple framework. There's some very simple approaches that, you can, that one can use to help others come to conclusions that, about their performance they might not otherwise come to. And, and it involves you know, asking smart questions and having a plan, things we, I think we, know, we all know to do. Um, but I think the, the reason that people see it maybe is more challenging than it really is, is they don't really get a lot of practice at it. So one of the things that we focus on with our business is making sure that, um, you know, sales managers are making time for coaching, not only because it's such a valuable thing for their salespeople, but the fact is the more they do it, the more confidence they gain, the more willing they are to try different things, the more time they devote to planning and executing coaching. 
so those are the two biggies, and I think the the barrier of confidence is one that uh, we all, in our own way, are trying to address for our audience, and it's it's a critical one. But practice is the key, the key solution. Great, and, you know, and 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 I, the theme here is is I guess that I'm getting is is how technology um, affects coaching and, and enables it, and and I, I like the notion of of technology making coaching less threatening and maybe let me uh, maybe pose a question to, to audrey here um how do you think technology uh, will help organizations or maybe how should organizations look to measure the effectiveness of coaching with a technology and play is there a, an roi metric or is there some something else we should be looking at yeah i mean never before has there been a way to measure speech proficiency that's been objective and in this climate today with, uh, with minorities and women, it's a great objective way to look at the data and do individualized learning at scale. So you're, you're able to capture that data and then remediate based on it in an objective way that is also programmatic and customizable. So the, the training that you do for a sales group in one industry is not the same as the training that you do for, uh, you know, a, maybe a big tech company that's bringing together disparate businesses to all be able to stand and deliver and speak from a script that is going to be the best way for them to best reflect their brand. So it's really a way to bring everybody together. I, I, I think it's always been top-down training, right? It's been you go to that sales training and then you do a survey afterwards, but for the trainer, there's never been a way for them to keep this ongoing and see that data and then remediate based on that data and help people win. So tied to sales or tied to any kind of win, you get that one chance if you want to make sure you're building ROI, you need to make sure that the people are speaking in a way that allows them to be successful. That's great, thanks. And and speaking of of kind of, you know, personalizing um, coaching and, and learning, um, are the coaching needs of early career workers different from those who are in their mid-career or late career? And are those differences also affected by the individual's position in the organizational structure? So executive versus middle management versus individual contributor. Um, Kate, Kate Day at Mandel Communications, what do you think about that? Well, well, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. And having actually implemented early in career programs um, at two prior companies, I would say there's absolutely a difference. If you're early in career, you don't know what you don't know. And moreover, and I think uh, some, some of our panelists mentioned this, for the, eight, the early in career, everyone's very used to texting. And, and I think that when you come into the workplace, perhaps texting your boss for a meeting might not necessarily be the protocol. So, so how do you learn? How do you learn how to position your presentations if you're an individual contributor? versus in middle management. So these are all opportunities, I think, to look at coaching um, for individuals along their career continuum. And, and that's where it gets really exciting when you combine that um, knowledge and information and deliver it via artificial intelligence, because everyone works remotely these days and technology becomes a great connector. And Chad, what do you think about um, about you know personalizing it based on different stages in your career? 
Yeah, so there was a good quote by John Barrows. He's, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he runs a company called Jay Barrows. And when I did a blog post earlier this year on AI and what it'll mean for sales, he said it'll make good reps great, great reps unstoppable, and average reps irrelevant. And, you know, at first I thought, huh, maybe I tend to agree with that for the first probably month or so as I chewed on it. Um, now that I've been traveling around the country and I just came from the University of Houston last week, they are ranked the number one sales school in the country. And I talked to people like Annika Seeley, formerly of Oracle, uh, Bob Perkins at the AAISP and Tom Geekle. Tom is the VP of the digital sales team at, at IBM. And they all agree on a panel that AI will actually make average reps relevant, will make everybody better, right? So if I think back to 25 years ago when I was the first sales, it was my first sales job, I was fired in nine months. And it was a terrible experience, but I've been recovering ever since. And uh, I've dedicated my life's work to help take sales and inside sales to the next level of professionalism and performance. And so I think back to my younger self, if I would have had guardrails where the, the calls were captured and recorded and I could hear what a good call sounded like, right, on the fly by clicking a button in a library, how amazing would that have been? Or if I said ums and ahs a lot, maybe I get an email once a week and it says, hey, you had 67 yesterday. Good job. That's down from the 99 you had the day before. So I think earlier in your career, you put up more gates and guardrails. And then now Matt McDarby and his team still listen to my calls and coach me from an executive selling perspective. So re regardless of where you are in your career, you may need different levels of coaching, whether you're the CEO or an entry-level sales professional. Uh, Audrey, would you like to weigh in? Yes, thank you. We have a great business partner in the speech improvement company. We really see this as a one plus one equals three, bringing in the personal side of it. But from the perspective of different levels, I, I see that the C-suite, the CEOs and such, get that professional speech coaching and, can, and their companies invest in them. But how about all those high potentials that you want to make sure are also getting the training? And one thing great about millennials is that they ask for the training. It's apparently... According to a lot of HR people I've spoken to, that's the number one request is communications training. So how do you provide that kind of training at scale that's affordable where it's not just the CEO that's getting that $10,000 speech coaching per day, but across the board, how do you make it affordable and make sure everybody is speaking in a way that uh, is compelling and articulate and confident? So let me just throw a question out to the to you or the group. Uh, do you find that there's a, a employee population either by level of seniority or or some other measure that that's more resistant to being coached? And and so what what are you seeing and 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 why perhaps? Uh, this is Matt. I, I would say it's not necessarily about tenure or capability, or, or but where we would see resistance would be in organizations where senior leadership hasn't hasn't offered a direct connection between, you know, the need to change, right? The need for every individual in the organization to get a little bit better, and the organization's ability to achieve something greater. And I, I think that's the that's the connection 
um, that is missed, right? So when we run into people who are resistant to coaching or to changing, it's often because they just don't understand fundamentally what's in it for them, what's in it for their organization. So um, that's a, a real big watch out for all of us, right, who are in the coaching business and for those who are listening who are responsible for developing salespeople and sales leaders. It's, you know, the, the, the recipe for ensuring resistance to what you have to offer is, you know, don't take those steps to help people understand what's in it for them to really join in fully and want to be coached, right? Because in my experience, there is no one universal characteristic that would cause, you know, all humans of a certain stripe to uh, to not want coaching. It's it's typically that, hey, I just don't see the connection between what's important, so I'm going to push back. Right. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I would hope that most of us, I think, uh, as we've progressed through our professional life, we've had the opportunity to participate in coaching. Um, but I did also want to get your perspectives, um, even from a personal basis, on what coaching experiences did you find most valuable along your professional path to date? And, and, and also think about maybe what um, differences modern technology or today's emerging technologies would have, would have made to that. Um, Matt, maybe I'll start with you and we'll, we'll move around. Scott, I'm sorry. Uh, there was a little bit of a technology problem there. I'm, I'm going to need you to repeat the question. My apologies. <laughs> you know, if there wasn't a technology issue on a, a <laughs> podcast talking about coaching and technology, I, I would have thought of it was a missed opportunity. Uh, so, so the question uh, really comes about, uh, you know, sort of our personal experience with coaching. And uh, I was yeah. saying that uh, by the time we've reached where we are, I would hope we've all been the recipient of some positive coaching. But mm -hmm. I, I, I was speculating on, well, how might our individual coaching experiences have been different if we had you know, today's or even tomorrow's technology to, to assist? Yeah. Well, in my, in my example, the, the best coaching I've received was back in the days, you know, my last employer, right? The company that was in the sales performance business. And I was surrounded by people who were really, really conscious uh, of, of behavior and its impact on outcomes with customers and, I think the thing that I would have benefited most from is being able to, you know, what we would have done in the past was look in the mirror or record, our, or record ourselves, but just to understand what are the little ticks and the things that I say, even now, <clears throat> out of habit, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, that don't convey confidence, right? The, the, the little things that I do even now that if I would just cut them out, I would be able to connect better with other human beings just that more, that much more quickly. So I think that's the thing that we all know what our weaknesses are. Mine in particular, are, you know, ver verbosity and uh, not getting to the point as you're, as you're hearing here. Um, <laughs> but I think that's how the technology would help me most for sure. Uh, Cause it wasn't for a lack of great coaches. It was just being able to see evidence of my own ineffective behavior. That that's what I would have loved to have seen more of. Yeah, Embarrassing though it might have, the embarrassing though it would have been technology enabled introspection uh then right. uh, did you have something to uh, chime in here yeah i would actually say something in opposite to what he just said i think sometimes we don't know what our weaknesses are and that's another place where a coach really comes in for me there was a friend of mine at toastmasters who continued coaching me even outside of our meetings and it was because of him that I really found out that I suck at public speaking. Without him, I would not have known that I start every other sentence with a so, or I speak too fast. So it was because of 
a coach that I had who actually came to me and told me that, look, Danish, you really need to improve here. Without that person, I would not have known. But today, now that we have some AI technologies out there, we can do this independently. We can do this by ourselves in the privacy of our home. Just go download the app, record a speech, don't even have to practice in front of a mirror and get a report on your communication skills and your habits and your verbal tics. Okay, and Audrey, I think you wanted to uh, join in here as well. Yes, sure, thank you. I, I come to this as a woman in the workforce who had to find my voice. I've been working in technology my whole career and I've often been that only woman at the proverbial table trying to get my voice heard and taken seriously. And I did, I started out actually the it's kind of a karmic path for me because I, I used to sing, so I studied voice for years, and I think that training really helped me, but it was very different to go from singing in front of a giant audience to speaking in front of an audience, and the training I got from working in communications and media training others to be articulate and confident and noticing the gaps that they had and some people who are incoherent because they just rambled so fast you couldn't even figure out what they were saying or again the this epidemic of filler words the overuse of the word like which is number one and how it crosses the borders and really does undermine our confidence and undermine other people's belief in our competence and uh and our meaning and getting across our meaning so i think I'm very passionate and I've spoken a lot at women's conferences and every time I go, we talk about being man-interrupted and mansplained and how do we get that confidence and be empowered to use our own voices. So uh, that's, um, that's really important to me, that and uh, again, leveling the playing field so everybody has that access to, to be able to train. And one last thing about Toastmasters, I'm a huge fan also, and I, um, I sat next to the um ah counter at one meeting and I thought, wow, this is so great and so supportive, but we really don't need a human to count this now that we have the technology. So well, maybe uh, for me and, and anyone else who isn't familiar with, what, what's the um ah counter? <laughs> and Toastmasters, they have a human that when you speak, when you get up and speak, they literally count every time you use a filler word. And it is a very welcoming and supportive community, and there's a lot of clapping, and it's terrific. But it also is a little mortifying to have somebody then get up after you speak and say, okay, great job, but you said like 25 times, and um, 13 times, and uh, and you know, great job, <laughs> but <laughs> those words. And it's yeah. like golf, a lower score is better, I imagine. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, terrific. Uh, Kate, I think you had something, we'll move, we're moving around the panel here. Yes, yes, so I just wanted to offer uh, a perspective, and that is, I think we get excited with this technology, and the applications that we're talking about really can make a big difference, but I don't think that the need for a human coach will ever go away because someone still needs to provide context and perhaps how we coach, the role of a coach and how we coach and engage with the coachee will, will change obviously due to technology. But our role as a coach still needs to provide that perspective and take into the emotional side of what's going on and the landscape that the technology itself can't do. 
All right, great. Well, um, Taryn, I think we have we we we're closing out here. I think I think the last question is for you. Uh, yeah. So just um, before we wrap up, I would love to hear uh, people's perspectives on, you know, what's next for the use of technology and coaching, and if anyone has any predictions for the future of your companies or for you know the industry overall. Um, so, uh, Chad, do you want to uh, start off with that? Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about conversation intelligence and capturing the call. And there's a, a gal named Sabrina Atienza, and her company used to be called Curious.io, and they're in the Bay Area. I think they may have rebranded recently. Um, she would, and there's an um, by the way, in the um counter world, uh, she would say that post-mortem co-coaching is good, in-conversation co-coaching is better. So if you think of, you know, the whisper of somebody in your ear saying, hey, answer it this way. If you hear an objection, maybe now's a good time to ask for the next step. So imagine when, you know, a few years in the future, you're talking to a prospect and you're powered by technology. It's telling you what semantic to use with the buyer because there's seven or eight different personality types. So it tells you how to change your tone of voice inflection. It tells you when to ask a question. If an objection's thrown out, something like IBM Watson converts that into text and then presents you, the seller, with what to say to the prospect. So I think this kind of post-mortem world, if you will, of call coaching becomes real-time call coaching. And I think that happens very, very soon within the next six to 12 months, and it's already happening. Right. And uh, Audrey, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, the skills gap is real, and I think this is a perfect storm. Uh, while communications are becoming more and more important, and we're we're uh, we're always live streaming, we're also have our heads down and we're texting instead of talking, as we've spoken about a couple of times. I think it's a really exciting time to be part of this world of AI and coaching, and this category of intelligent systems is growing really quickly and there are a lot of great software products out there that are able to intelligently coach leaders with again uh the marriage of a great professional coach i think we're really in a, a, a wonderful space right and uh danish what about you any predictions yeah i'll build on to what kate mentioned where she said coach ai cannot replace human coaches and i agree but AI can get us really close if we can not just do vocal analysis and detect your arms and us. We can very soon even video record yourself and then use computer vision to detect your nonverbal features like your facial expressions, how you're moving your hands around, and then even taking it further and understanding the semantics of what are you actually saying and if whether that correlates with your hand gestures. So I think we can get really close and the industry will be moving in that space. Great. And Matt, how about you? Yeah, two predictions. One um, is for the industry in which I operate, and I think that the, you know the, some of the tools we've talked about will make it possible for organizations to rely less on outside models of excellence. So think of the traditional sales training firms that we all know. Uh, companies will rely a lot less on them because they'll be able to diagnose and assemble their own. 
sales process and methodology that's based on what they discover about their own sale in their own environment. So I think the face of that industry is going to change. It's already changing, and traditional means are, are, are I think, frankly, are going to go away. And then second, um, you know, because of what we've said about practice and how some of the technology enables practice on your own with a partner synchronously, asynchronously, um, because that practice is going to become more common, I think what it's going to mean to those of us who are coaches, so if you're a sales manager or you're a sales enablement or learning leader or if you're a guy like me on the outside coaching the coaches, it's going to ratchet up the importance of getting that coaching right. right? So the quality of coaching is going to uh, – the expectation for quality of coaching is going to go way, way up as people become more attuned to their own practice and their own need for quality coaching. So all of us in that mode, we better start honing our skills, right? Because the, the industry is going to have, the profession is going to have a lot more demand for coaching going forward. We have to be on our game. Well, as long as there's people, I guess there will be a need for coaching. However, the tools enable right. that. Right. So, so great. I, I, I appreciate it. That's, that's about it, I think, for our time for this episode of the Business of Learning, the Training Industry Podcast. And uh, for myself, I'd like to just thank all of our panelists once again uh, for sharing your time and your perspectives with us. Yeah, thanks to all of you for being here. You know, uh, co-hosting this podcast is kind of my own crash course in communication. Um, but for people who are not co-hosting a podcast regularly, uh, it's exciting to see how artificial intelligence and coaching can combine to help them improve their effectiveness. And I'm looking forward to that personally as well. Um, so thanks again for everyone for being here. And we, of course, have lots more on the role of coaching in learning and development on trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.